What would anybody like to talk about? Man, Moore's going to start us off. No, Brock's going to start us off because Brock's going to give us a teaser about what's to come. All right, and get the discussion started before. And so, yeah, you know, it's got to be like, uh, you know, in health class, they told us, right? Guys are like microwaves and girls are like ovens, you know, so it's just kind of the warm up, right? Well, um, they, I guess we just want to say thanks for having us here, you know, and being able to talk and uh, just come and fellowship in the word with you guys. I guess, uh, you know, the title of my message is Conform to His Death. And I guess it'd be kind of fun to hear anyone's thoughts on what they think that means, you know, before anyone even expands on it. We die to ourselves. This is not our kingdom. Amen. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The same persuasion, right? Of the Son of God. The same thing he believed. We now also can be persuaded of that very same thing, right? Through the events of the Word made flesh. In your banner in your front yard... Um, Jesus in uh, 2022, he's our only hope. So the government is upon his shoulders. Amen. Amen. I like that. Where'd you get that? I ordered it. I, I saw someone advertise it on, online, so I ordered it. I re- it, it it's captivating. I, don't, I love it. Especially with elections going on now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad you noticed. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really easy, speaking of politics, you know, I think it's very, very easy to find our hope in those type of things. Um, Especially, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit harder too. You know, I'm a little younger, so my generation is a little bit more like, you know, screw the system. We're we're just, you know, we're going to do what we want to do. And, you know, who cares about the government? So, you know, I kind of feel like I got it a little bit easy in that department. But I can't imagine growing up thinking that, you know, the American dream, it's your gospel, right? Yeah. And it's like, you are, everyone already thinks that. Doesn't even matter if you're in church or not. We're all trying to obtain to the corruptible things of the world. You know, the new car, the new house, this or that. Um, and then for those of us that kind of went through the word of faith type teachings, it's like double extra, you know, because you're, you're sitting there and, and, and this preacher's kind of telling you, you can have the car, you know? So that Cadillac I lusted over my whole life, I became alive to that thing because that's what they were preaching to me. That was the word that they were, you know, obviously most of those people do it innocently and we argue, are we uh, fight not against flesh and blood, you know? It's the spirit behind those people animating them to... Uh, that was say that to you, animating them. Exactly. Let me, let me tell you, though, Things never change because you missed the 60s and 70s where we said, screw the government, where we're going to do it our way, where we revolted, where our music was um, 
revolutionary at the time, where we told the government to go take a hike. Yeah. 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 You know, and as a, the Black Panthers, we got yeah. our hand in the air. So it's not new. Mm. And right. it's, still, it's still people looking for life There's nothing in the world. new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. nothing new under the sun. Thank yeah. you. I knew that was there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it just cycles. It cycles. It That's just cycles what I was saying. It cycles. It, it keeps going too. around, and then the new generation thinks, "Hey, I got something new here." Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, Human though? Nature. What's that? How the each generation thinks that there's something yes. uniquely different. Mm -hmm. Something about new what under the sun. They want to make it. Yeah, their something own. new under the sun. <laughs> yeah. And instead of realizing that, like this song and dance is replayed over and over yeah. and over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing with the gospel. I remember when I went to the Bible college, and I found all those people that also believed in grace. And what I mean by also believed in grace, they believed in a lot of other things too. <laughs> right? and, and so then you continue to grow in the knowledge of, of God and um, the gospel, and you you feel all alone because you realize none of the people around you are thinking like that. And you end up thinking this is some new thing that you're experiencing, that you're seeing, that you're feeling. No one else has ever experienced it. No one else has ever felt it. Nobody knows. Listen, human beings have a unique you human the mortal body, I'll say it that way, has a unique ability to think nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Right? The, the mortal body has a unique ability to to feel that way. But I remember lamenting over like losing all my friends from Bible college, not thinking anybody else is thinking like this. My own mother and, and wife are thinking I'm crazy for the stuff that I'm starting to say and just lamenting, feeling alone and telling God how there's nobody. And all of a sudden he like quickened inside of me, Elijah. And Elijah lamenting about how they killed all the prophets and there's nobody else. There's no one left that's believing in you, Lord. And, and God comes in real quickly and says, I've reserved a remnant. Yeah. Right? There's always a remnant. And so the, the carnal mind has an isolatory property to it where it isolates and it confines and it tries to take things outside of common. Right? Like temptation, for example. The scripture says there's a temptation that's common to all people. But the carnal mind will tell you whatever plight you're in that it's only you. That nobody understands. Anybody ever felt those words? Nobody understands. Sure. <laughs> Has anybody ever had that thought yes. come across their mind? Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's a lot. I know. Everybody understands, actually. Everybody understands. I mean, God understands. I mean, one of the first things God did was reveal that he understands. Yeah. Right? Here we are dying. And upset with him, you don't understand. Well, these guys won't believe me if I just tell them. So I'll enter into their death. I'll experience all of it so they can see that I understand. But Jesus is the metric by which you judge whether somebody else understands what you're going through. Because Jesus discerns what you're going through. So you see Jesus nailed to a tree. You see him suffering at the hands of death. You hear him hearing the voices of death. And then you see, oh, that's me. Right? And then you identify with Jesus in your place of darkness when your bed's been made in hell. And then all of a sudden, you start to have your life discerned for you while your bed's been made in hell by looking at Jesus. Well, then you start to see the Father was, was Jesus when his bed was made in hell. And then you, oh, the Father's with me. Right. right? And then ultimately, you end up calling upon Abba, right? Which you commit, you see you have a desire for life, a longing for life. And then you mix your longing to see life manifest with, the, with God, right? With the life he has in himself. He's Father. But what that ends up doing to you is it discerns other people's lives also, yes. where you start to see 
that what they're going through is also the cross. Yep. Yep. Right? And so immediately you find the cross or the word made flesh destroying us and them. Yeah. Mm. Destroying yes. division. Because immediately you see they're the same as me. Mm-hmm. And see, the, the, the mortal body also has a unique tendency to judge what somebody else struggles with as being more evil than what you struggle with. Mm. We categorize it, mm-hmm. right? Where we got, well, their struggle's a little bit nicer and okay than their struggle. We'll accept these people struggle in the church, but not those people. That's right. And that's when you're judging people by the outward fruit instead of seeing that if they're struggling with something, the reason they're struggling with something is because the world has nailed them to a tree. Right. And they're just trying to cover their nakedness. So immediately you, well, that, that was me too. And so you don't look at them trying to cover their nakedness in a despising way. You don't look at them in an angry way or their evil way. or the, You don't look at them like that. You realize what's happening to them, and you know what that feels like. You're intimately acquainted with that. And then you can like embrace them yeah. right in that place. And then you can be a light shining in the midst of their darkness. You can start telling them what it feels like. That's really how you read their mail. Let me come and tell you about your life. Let me tell you what you're going through like right now. Let me tell you why this fruit that you hate is manifesting in your life. And then let me tell you about the God that clothes. Right? But they feel embraced in the midst of their nakedness. People need to feel embraced in the midst of their nakedness. If they don't feel embraced in the midst of their nakedness, then how are they ever going to be let out? And what we've done in the body of Christ is, man, we've gotten real good at excluding and rejecting people because of their nakedness. And because of the thorns and thistles that come out when they try to clothe their nakedness. Instead of seeing, oh, they're being nailed to a tree. I've been nailed to the tree before. I didn't like it very much. I like Cindy would say it that way. Well, I didn't like that very much. <laughs> right? I love how she would say that. I could see her ministering to somebody. I didn't like it very much either when I felt like I was being nailed to a cross and I was naked. Right? Like this morning, Cindy probably saw me feeling nailed to the cross because I'm thinking, well, we should just cancel the Bible study. That's right. Because so many of us don't see each other ever, and we might have been better suited just hanging out and talking. And instead, we tried to cram it in here and, and cram it into like 40 minutes, and I'm like, what? I'll never do that again. But Cindy, you know what Cindy says? It'll be okay, Greg. It'll be okay, Greg. Right? Because she doesn't just look at me and think, why Greg's stressing out? She can look at me and she can be intimately acquainted with the world and how the world comes against us. And that's what the gospel comes and does for us, where we don't think it's only us. We don't think I'm the only one. We don't think nobody knows. The moment you think nobody knows, let me tell you who you're hanging out with. The devil. devil. (laughs) You're hanging out with the devil. And I don't tell you that to shame you, but I tell you that to rather understand whose voice you're hearing when you hear that sound that nobody knows. That is not the voice of God. And no one thought that was the voice of God more than me growing up. And I really believe, I mean, I've become full persuasion. Like like I said Sunday, I feel the feels, right? And so I'm all in with what I felt. And I promise you, my parents can testify, I was squarely rooted in nobody knows. That's right. <laughs> and it, it's just me and my pain and my hurt and my suffering and nobody knows. And don't even try to come and tell me you know. Wop. Right? That's right. And so, man, when you're hearing that voice that nobody knows, that something new is happening to you, or it's different. No, it's the same. 
And Jesus is the metric. Like Brock so beautifully said, the Word made flesh. Right. We talk about that a lot here, but we need to come to the place where the Word made flesh discerns our lives for us and discerns what we see. Because then we'll find understanding born in us. Because that's actually God explaining everything. I know we only look at a historical event. This guy, Jesus, came and died on the cross. It's a historical event. It is a historical event. But we want to see that's God with us. Jesus on the cross is God with us, explaining everything that's going on to us. Because we didn't know, and we didn't understand. And we don't think the temptation is common. How many of you despise yourself when you feel weak? Why do you despise yourself when you feel weak? Everybody else felt that too. God himself, when he put on your mortal body, felt that same weakness. So when you feel weakness, why do you despise yourself? Do you think you're the only one that feels weakness? Every single human feels weakness. You know why? Because the mortal body is subjected to weakness. Yes. This mortal body, just like creation, is subject to vanity. Do you know what creation does when it's throwing a fit? Because it doesn't like feeling weakness, it pops out a hurricane. It's right. <laughs> it pops out an erupting volcano. Right? And so, man, when you feel weakness, you, you, you can almost feel like throwing a fit. But it isn't so much that you feel the weakness that's the problem. It's what we think about that. It's the voice that weakness tries to weakness tries to preach to us. Right? Weakness is a false prophet. Yeah. Right? Weakness tries to tell us certain things about our life, about God. It's not common. Right? It's just you. Everybody else has got it together. You know how many times I've sat with people that tried to tell me about all the people, all the humans in their life that they think have it all together. And I'm just like, are you serious? Listen, I promise you, if I sat down with these people, we would find that they also are struggling with things, right? We call it a struggle. I think I like temptation common to man because I don't know that feeling weakness is actually a struggle. I don't know that's an accurate way to describe it, right? I think an accurate way to describe it is that the mortal body possesses the ability to feel weakness. And so if we feel weakness, all that it means is that we're clothed in a mortal body and it can feel weakness. Well, we don't like weakness. But the cross is God coming and explaining those things, explaining to us our life, where we see even God himself felt this. Then you stop despising yourself for feeling weakness. Guess what that does? It stops the mouth of the accuser because he's got to get you to feel ashamed. That's the only way he's going to get you to clothe yourself. So he comes to fill you with shame for what you feel. He comes to fill you with shame for the weakness, for the struggle, whatever it is you want to call it, what you're thinking, what you've done. He wants to fill you with shame because if he can get shame born in you, then you start clothing yourself. Right? Well, God manifests on the cross. That's God talking to us. Come gather around. Let us sit and reason about the things you think. Let us sit and reason about the things you've decided about your life. Let me explain to you the voices you're hearing. Let me explain to you why you hear them. Let me explain to you where they come from. Let me teach you about what the voice of your father sounds like. Listen, my dogs know my voice, and the voice of another they do not know. Billy's a very nice guy. Billy comes to my house and starts calling my dogs. They ain't coming. (laughs) They ain't coming. Now, listen, he could trick them and have food. food. That's right. (laughs) And it looks good for food, so they come. (laughs) And that's what happens with the devil. He uses the death. It's compelling evidence to us. He uses the the riches of the world. It's compelling evidence to us. It's like holding out food for a dog, and he tries to call us 
to himself. But the cross is God coming and descending into the pit with us. We're all there already. There he is showing us I'm in it with you, but I'm in it to win it. And so now he starts breaking it all down for us. He starts kicking knowledge, right? He starts revealing the true knowledge, right? And he starts discerning what we're feeling. He starts discerning what we see. He starts discerning what we're hearing for us, right? So we start understanding the voice of the stranger and how the voice of the stranger sounds. And you become acutely aware. Like it manifests in me immediately. The moment somebody, the moment I hear any voice, you're all alone, Greg. Like immediately. I know. That's a lie. Do you know how often I hear you're all alone, Greg? My whole life I felt alone, right? And it was because I isolated myself. Because the world come and convince me there's something wrong with you, Greg. And it's not just something's wrong with you and it destroys your life. It destroys all the people's lives around you. So you're all alone. And that's why I would say you're all alone in the cold, heartless little world. I just want to be one. Is that so warm? I mean, that's what we're all feeling, right? I just want to be one. Is that so warm? Right? But uh, the cross comes in, and I can't, listen, I probably could explain it because i that's like what God has put in me, the ability to explain all these dynamics. But honestly, I don't even know how he led me to the place where I began to see that's him talking to me. That this is God sitting with me in the fire. And here he is talking with me and explaining it all to me. And now I've got ears to hear and eyes to see. It's like he healed my sight. He healed my deafness. He popped open my ears and he gave me new eyes. You know, like when Jesus grabbed the dirt and, you know, God made man's body from the dust of the ground. So when he made man eyes to begin with, he would have used dust. So when he goes and heals the guy's eyes, it's no accident. He spits in his hand and takes dust and starts molding the dust and making him new eyes. Right? I see people as trees. Okay, here we go again. Right? And now the guy can see. That's what the cross is supposed to do for us. It slices through our thoughts. It says you're not left to figure out what this means all by yourself. Because Jeremiah comes and says the heart is deceitful. Humans cannot decide things for themselves. And that's not a shameful trait. It just means we're not God. And so if there is a God, it means it's his duty to explain what is life and what is death. Yes. Otherwise, he can't be God. If you got to figure out for yourself what life and death is, then that means you're God. Right? And so he created us for him to serve, not just serve us with life, but lead us into the path that was unto life. And to lead us away from the path that was not unto life. That was death. That's what God is doing at the cross. And so I think everybody in here has been well steeped in the historical event of Jesus on the cross. And we can all identify with that as humans. And that's powerful. I mean, Brock's going to preach a powerful message today about being conformed to his death from the perspective of the Son of Man, right? Jesus as the Son of Man. But you also, as you're communicating, fellowshipping with the sufferings of Jesus and Jesus as the Son of Man, and you're finding your own heart being conformed to the death he died unto sin on the cross, you want to also allow space in that dynamic where you could see that's God with us. You know, the scripture talks about Emmanuel. That's Emmanuel. Over his head, yud hey vav hey. Open hand of grace, nailed in grace. That's Emmanuel on the cross. That's everlasting father. That's wonderful counselor. So guess what he's doing? He's giving us wonderful counsel about our life. 
right? About our life. How many of you like it when you don't think you know what's going on? I'm liking it more and more. <laughs> That's liberty. Amen. That's the gospel, right? It will set you free from being so concerned with, I got to know everything that's going on, right? But you can find that God can come and explain life to you. And life becomes like slow motion. Slow motion for you. Slow motion for you. <laughs> it becomes like slow motion where you're seeing it slow down. And it's like you have the time to discern it in real time to where your heart is being taught of the Lord, even as you just observe life, right? And so that's one of the things you want to be thinking about with the cross. Emmanuel, God with us, God talking to us, God showing us what it means, right? Because we were in darkness and we had concluded our history with God a certain way. And we had concluded our thoughts about God in a certain way. And we used the death and the darkness we see in the world as the metric by which we judged those things and how we felt about ourselves, right? Well, God come and discern all that for us, right? He come, me too, man. I felt the same weakness as you. It's a common thing. It's not strange that you could feel this when you encounter death. So when you feel weakness, don't interpret it as a sign that life is far from you or that there's something wrong with you or that your life is being overcome. Don't interpret it that way, but rather interpret that God is with you and that he is father, which means in father is a life that overcomes all things. It overcomes death. And so even in the midst of your weakness, you can find yourself rejoicing about having a life that overcomes death. Because you find yourself thinking about that. And you see all that happening and God talking to us at the cross. You guys think this death is so powerful. You think this death means that life is far from Jesus. You think this death means that Jesus' life is being overcome. Here comes the resurrection. Like Psalm 24 says, here comes the king of glory. And here comes Jesus out of the grave. And what is he declaring? The guy that you thought was far from God, he is God. Amen. You conclude that death means God's far? Well, let's really blow that up because that's God who was in the middle of death. God himself was clothed in death, and it didn't mean God didn't exist anymore. And it didn't mean he wasn't there. I mean, there's Emmanuel, and there's death also. Well, we had this jacked up conclusion that if death is present, God can't be present. Right. We had like a jacked up equation. We had the addition sign turn into a subtraction sign. <laughs> right? Yes. And so God comes and blows that up. He fixes the equation for us. And we stop concluding God's not there. Then when we think we don't know something, we still feel okay because do you know what we know? God's right here. And when we feel weakness, we still feel okay because you know what we conclude? God's right here. Right? And if God's right here, the natural conclusion is I have everything I need. In God is everything I need. So now I just start communicating with God about what I feel about how I desire life. Praying in the name of the Father. Do you know what praying in the name of the Father is? Is that in the Father is life. Yeah. The only life. Right? And so when you pray in the name of the Father, what it means is, is that you're looking to God to satisfy your desire for life. And just this other day, I mean, I know these things and I pray this way, but the other day I found myself praying differently for somebody that was in a horrible situation. And I realized we desire life. And we desire to see life manifested. That's what we all want. We could talk about it in a bunch of different ways, but we're all the same. We desire life and we desire to see it manifest. Well, that's per per when you talk to God about that desire, 
You're praying in the name of the Father because in the Father is the life. The Father, do you know who desires to see life manifest more than anyone? The Father. In fact, it says he's holy, which means he's set apart unto manifesting life. That's how he gets down. Guess what? Everywhere he goes, do you know what manifests? Life. Everywhere he goes, do you know what's sent away? Death, weakness, sin. Everywhere he goes, he doesn't have to try to do it. He's just walking that way, and that's how he gets down. And so let me interpret your life for you right now. You all might think you need a bunch of things or that you want a bunch of things. Let me tell you what it is you desire. You desire life. And you desire to see life manifest. Okay? That's what you want. Now, listen, there's good news for all of us. We have a Father in heaven who is set apart or sanctified unto manifesting life in us. So let your prayer be out of your mouth. Father, I desire to see life manifest. I desire to see. I desire life, right? You're the only immortal. You're the only one possessing a life that can satisfy. Into your hands, I commit my desire to see life manifest, right? That's Abba. That's what it means to cry out Abba, right? And so the next time you're feeling great lack, the next time you're feeling confused because of something going on in your life or something swirling around you or or something causing you pain, don't let the carnal mind convince you all these different things are going on, all these different things are the problem. Hear the voice of God saying to you, listen, what you're wanting right now is life and you're wanting life to manifest. I'm the only one that has the life that can actually satisfy you. The carnal mind has an appearance of wisdom because it looks like these things that you're thinking are the problem could give you life, but they only look good for food. They're promising you life from afar, just like the fig tree Jesus saw with leaves. The things in the world are like the fig tree with leaves. When a fig tree has leaves, do you know what it's telling you? That it has fruit. It's promising you fruit. That's what the leaves on a fig tree mean. It's like a promise. I promise you, I will decorate you in fruit. Right? But when Jesus got up to the fig tree, was there any fruit there? No. No. And so the next time you're swirling, you're feeling lack, you're feeling pain, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling like something didn't go your way, you're feeling like you need this or you need that or this has to change or that has to happen, and you're just swirling in that, and you're hearing the voice of the carnal mind, nobody knows, I'm all alone, I just want to be loved, right? When you're feeling that, man, you want to let God discern that. No, no, it's a simple thing. I desire life, and I desire to see it manifest. And the life I desire to see manifest isn't in these things. These things are the fig tree that had no fruit. Father, you're the only one possessing life. You're the only one that can satisfy the desire I have for life. And now start talking with him, right? And just like Jesus found. See, Jesus knew what he desired. He wasn't confused on the cross. I desire life and I desire to see it manifest. He didn't get into all this. Well, if I can avoid the cross, then I'll have life. Well, if I can keep those guys from talking bad about me, then I'll have life. If I could have a safe space around this cross where no one could mock me or spit on me, then I could have peace. All that stuff looks good for food. If we're just honest, that stuff looks good for food. It sounds right that if I could keep myself from ever hearing something negative about me, then I could have peace. That's a lot. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Right? And so you sit in that place where you see all these things going on. Jesus interprets that for us. What did Jesus decide that he needed? Lord, I desire life. And he didn't get into all the classifications of exactly what. I mean, we tell God what we need to have life. 
We don't just say, I desire life. You're the guy that fathers all life. I mean, you think we would think that this guy knows how to produce life. He created everything. There is not anything that exists apart from this guy. Right. Right. But we come with our list of the things that the Santa Claus list of the things that we need to have life. Jesus didn't do that. He sat with the desire. I desire life. He did get any further than that. I desire to see life manifest. Father, into your hands I commit that desire. Now, God did all that with Jesus so that he could pour out his spirit, the spirit of Father, and that spirit could do the same thing in us. Yes. That's why the spirit is called understanding. That's why it says wisdom cries in the streets. It's the Holy Spirit that's been poured out on all flesh. And the Holy Spirit is crying in the street. And you know what it's crying about? Abba. Yeah. And it's coming to the earth to show us what we're desiring is life. Yeah. And we're desiring to see life manifest. And it's coming to discern the voices we hear so that we don't know the voice of the stranger. We don't take it into our heart, but we know the voice of God, which is I am the father of all that lives. In me is life. I'm set apart unto serving you with life. In me is the life you desire, right? And now we start connecting with God when we're in that place, right? And it stops the mouth of the voices. And you feel happy and you feel good, right? And listen, I'm just going to be honest. A couple minutes ago, I did not feel happy and I did not feel good, right? And I wasn't upset with anybody. I, I was upset with myself because I'm thinking, man, I'm not a good administrator. I suck. Forgive my language. I suck at administration. Here we are with all this stuff going on. Why did I think this was going to work? Why didn't I foresee the trouble? And so I'm out there thinking that, and then I'm like, yeah, you know what? But then there's the gospel. Yeah. And so you come in here, and you just start talking about God, and guess what happens? You feel happy again. Yeah. Do you know why? Because you see in God is life, and you're talking life. And next thing you know, you're experiencing life. That's what God's trying to lead us into when we encounter all the hell, right? Where God's here. God's here. Let me tell you what you want. I know you feel upset. I know you're upset that this has happened. I know you're upset this didn't go the way you wanted. I know you're upset about all those things. But let me tell you what you're actually desiring is the life that you see in me. Yes. And those things don't have that life. Probably. Right? I mean, listen, the only way you can have peace, the only way, if you think that, that you can have peace by never hearing something negative from another person about what they think or about what they think about you, you're going to end up in a cave all along. <laughs> and then, I hate to break it to you, you still won't get away from it because no matter where you go, there you are. And you will be condemning yourself. You'll start saying, I don't like this cave. You'll start saying, why did I come to this cave? I'm stupid. And so, listen, man, the greatest safe space you need is from the thoughts of the carnal mind. Amen. And the carnal mind will come and tell you the safe space that you need is to never hear something you don't like. But we see that's a lie because Jesus only heard things that were against him. Yet he had peace. And he didn't come teaching, if you can get away from all the things that are against you, then you could have peace. No, he came to demonstrate a life that can't be killed by death. And he came to demonstrate a peace that can't be taken by other people. He came to demonstrate a peace that is not fickle. We're not busy with the fickle peace. Well, you know what the world is busy with? A fickle peace. Yes. That's why the world implements these strategies like safe space. I mean, when I grow up, the world, you know how the world, the world tried to deal with the opposite. The world didn't even say that, well, we got to keep people from hearing something negative. They had a different view. We're going to toughen people up. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. They hammered that into us. And do you know why they hammered it into us? They said, that's the power under peace. 
Well, now the whole thing's flipped completely opposite. Well, no, the power and the beast is to never hear names that can hurt you. Both are a lie. Yes. You can't give yourself peace. Right? In God's life is peace. Right. Right? God's the most slandered person that ever existed. Amen. I mean, he, but he has peace still. And so what, how do you get that right, Lord? I mean, I don't like it when, when things come against me, but everything's come against you. The world rejected you. The world hated you. The world nailed you to a tree. The world blamed you for everything that went wrong. The world said you're a deadbeat dad. How does how did you still have peace in all that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because that's just asking those questions is the foundation for life. It's like you you let God into that part of your heart. Right? It's like you come in. I mean, we're I know Halloween's this month and we're not rejoicing or celebrating Halloween, but allow me the poverty of this language. In some of the vampire books, the vampire has to be invited into the house. The vampire can't just walk into the house. You have to invite them in for them to be able to come in. There's like a threshold, right? Well, listen, man, God cannot violate your heart. He can't force his way into you, right? So he comes talking with you. He comes to soften your heart. He comes to pamper you. He comes to bring up questions. He comes to present you with thoughts that cause you to engage with him, right? Like he come and who told you you were naked, right? And he said that to Adam to catch Adam up in a conversation so we could have a conversation about this nakedness he's feeling. So we can have a conversation about the weakness he feels and the labor and annoyances that he's filled with so that I could then show him I'm the one who clothes, Right? That's the dynamic there. And that's what God, I mean, that's one of the things God wants to catch us up into. Right? Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. You see how much you can extract? We we think, well, no, I've seen the cross. No, no, I've seen the resurrection. I understand all that. Now you got to tell me how I can, you know, have a blessed life. Did you see everything I just said all just from looking at the cross? Yeah. You see all the different facets of life I just discerned just by looking at the cross. And what's funny is we think understanding all those diff different facets is very complicated. And if you try and discern it with your own mind, it is very complicated. But if you look at the cross, like Brock so beautifully said, the word made flesh. If you look at the cross, that's a simple thing right there. And you will find that that thing has the ability to explain all things. Right. And to interpret all things and to give you understanding about all things. Right. And then it's like slow motion. Right. And it's not just slow motion for you, but you're able to come and speak wisdom into other people's lives when they're going through hell. Because you see it clearly. You have eyes to see how the serpent is tempting them, the thoughts that the serpent is trying to use to their disadvantage. And then you come with the voice of the father. Right. I think one of the words that, you know, we have our dictionary of words that we believe and understand one way that that have others and the, you, you've said it a, a number of times this morning already and it's just really struck is the word discern or to discern and discern that you know it's there's so much depth in that in the context of what we're talking about it's not just knowing the difference between the two things but i think there's also the seeing the difference between two things it's overcoming the carnal mind and and being able to separate spiritual from carnal the, the, so, I mean, we could spend weeks just talking about discernment yeah. and discernment in the context of the gospel. Yeah. So that's one word you can just grab a hold of. and It, it has really huge depth. 
So I appreciate that we, we, we talked about it so much this morning. Yeah, we did it last week too. We talked yeah. about discernment, how God discerns our emotions. Yeah. Because your emotions will try to talk to you. They'll try to preach. And listen, man, your your emotions, we'll just be, make fun of it, but your emotions sound like the greatest preacher that ever lived. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you think these emotions are coming with the truth. Right. <laughs> these emotions have the only word. You, that's how it feels when we're feeling it, isn't it? Yeah. There's no other truth but this feeling I have, yeah. right? I mean, and there's no shame in that because we're the type of beings that were meant to animate something. We were created with the intent that something would dwell in us and then we would expound or magnify it or it would be magnified in us. Yeah. So our emotions, man, there's no accident that they're powerful. There's no accident that we can like really feel something because that's our design, right? It's just God intended that we would be a vessel. I hate to use that word because religion, but we will. We were made to be a vessel that he would dwell inside of us and then we would give expression to all that he is. Yes. And there's a term, and I'm losing, I, don't, I can't grab a hold of the term, but it's like something that you filter something through and then that, you know, like just. Broadcast? Yeah, like the broadcasting kind prism. of. A prism? A prism? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what we were intended to be. And so, the, man, those emotions, that's why we feel them so heavily. And that's why we think what they're saying to us is the truth. God's the only truth. And it doesn't mean you deny your emotions. It doesn't mean you don't have the emotions. It doesn't mean you try to get to the place where you don't feel the emotions. But where you start discerning the difference between the Father's voice and the voice of the serpent when you feel the emotion. Or you at least discern that, I don't know what these emotions mean. <laughs> but Lord, you're here. But we, we struggle to do that. I, I'm the king of struggling to do that. But no, listen, I've spent a month already deciding what these emotions mean before I start talking with God. <laughs> the gospel makes that process happen quicker, where it's more quickly now for me. It's like in the day now that it happens. But we tend to feel the emotion, and then we spend a whole lot of time twisting on it and what it means. What does it mean about us? What does it mean about God? What does it mean about Christianity? What does it mean about the gospel? What does it mean about all these other people? What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, man, the gospel will bring you to the place where you say, Father, I don't know what these emotions mean. But here you are, and here I am. And now you're just talking with him about what you feel and what you see, right? And he'll start talking with you about what he sees. He'll start explaining to you what's going on. You see that in Psalm 22. You see that with Jesus. That's the whole Abba. We, we only read Jesus crying out Abba, but there was a whole process before that where Jesus was inundated with death yeah. and the feeling of emotion. It says he felt he all the infirmity that we felt. He heard the voices. He felt the heightened emotion. The only difference is, is in that place, he didn't start thinking about what do these emotions mean? Does it mean that the gospel isn't true? Does that mean my ministry is false? Maybe I'm just Adam and I'm not the last Adam. Maybe I'm not the son of God. No, he didn't think any of that. He immediately started talking with God about what he felt, about what he saw, about what he was going through. And then the next thing you know, he starts spitting truth. He starts talking about what's really going on. And the next thing you know, he feels like gangbusters, right? Here comes the king of glory, right? And so, man, I, I say this not in a negative way, but I'll say it as radically as I can, because sometimes you have to say things radically to jolt the heart. All of our understanding about everything is as dumb 
I, you're a nice person. You're very smart when it comes to whatever craft or trade you've learned in this world. You're probably at the height of that classification, whatever field you were in. That ain't got nothing to do with godliness. And when it comes to discerning the human heart, those things can't do anything to discern the human heart. And so that's what I mean when I say all your understanding is done. Bobby, your understanding about football is not done. But football <laughs> is not godliness, right? My, under, my dad's understanding about rockets and rocket science is not done, but that's not godliness. Jay's understanding about how to build a ship is not done, but that's not godliness. That's not discerning the human heart. And so, man, we'd all be much better off if we thought little of our ability to discern our hearts, thought little of our ability to decide what it means that we feel this way, and we just started connecting with God. Just that simple, right? Yeah. He'll discern it all. And you'll, just like I just said with the cross. I mean, God come and discern my life. That's the real word of wisdom. That's the real word of knowledge, right? That's the gift of the Spirit. The gift of discernment is a gift of the Spirit. And what is the discernment? We think the discernment is about, well, you're going to get a new car. Well, I see a job coming on your horizon. Well, you want a baby? Let me pray for you to have a baby. And then the next, is there a baby in there? Right? I mean, listen, I don't say you can never give a word like that. Because the Spirit knows all things. And if a person's in a carnal place, you might come with a carnal word to get their attention. But the real spirit of discernment is where you like discern the strange woman in the book of Proverbs. Right. You've now been taught by the Father and by the Comforter. And so when you're walking in the world and you see the, the life in the world promising you that it will decorate you in fruit, you see that as the strange woman. And you understand that even though the linens look nice, even though it feels nice on the skin, man, like silky smooth, that's nice. This shirt feels nice, right? You smell the perfume. That's what it's like when we see things in the world that we think can give life. It has a sweet aroma to the flesh, right? It, it has a sweet touch or a soft touch to the flesh, right? But what will happen is you'll start discerning. That can't give me life. It's corrupt. And you'll start seeing, you'll hear wisdom crying in the streets. You'll hear wisdom saying, I was with the Father in the beginning. When the Father wanted to produce life, the Father released me out of himself. I am that which was with the Father and created all things. Well, that's not just some fanciful fairy tale. That's not just like a nice story that we rejoice in. It means something to you. It means that that's the life. That's where life is. And you start getting down with the Holy Spirit. Right? And you'll start hearing the Holy Spirit calling unto you. Greg, where are you? Greg, where are you? Right? You'll start hearing God call your voice when the carnal mind is swirling all around you, when your nakedness is uncovered, and the carnal mind starting to tell you, you need this, you need that, you don't have this, you don't have that. How are you going to do it yourself? All of a sudden, you start to hear God, where are you? <laughs> the moment you hear God say, where are you, you know what you know immediately? God's here? <laughs> there he is oh hallelujah right does that make any sense yep. Amen. anybody got any thoughts about that well we'll traverse or transition over there